The last episode was an interview with Janet Senek on living and adapting to VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity. It was recorded just before the COVID-19 outbreak and I'm so glad Janet and I decided to record our chat as understanding VUCA today is more important than ever. But I wanted to spend more time with Janet and share my conversation with my community in real time. So last week, I called Janet during my weekly live Facebook session. And this bonus episode is a recording of that chat. If you haven't listened yet to the previous episode, number 23, I highly recommend you do so. But that won't be necessary for you to follow the conversation in this bonus episode. My goal is for you to be as informed and prepared as you can possibly be to live and work during a time of unprecedented VUCA. Quick recap, Janet Senek is a consultant and coach who help others, coaches like me, leaders and organizations adapt and grow through disruption. Her expertise is in helping society understand what it means to be innovative and adaptive to change. She helps embed innovation in organizations that are experiencing the shockwaves of disruptive change in our VUCA world. Normally, that would mean market disruptions, new technologies, new ways of working, and so on. Janet helps businesses and leaders to be open to new and creative ways and new commercial possibilities. What I also like about her is that her expertise is delivered by an amazing calm energy. This is how I want people to explain VUCA to me. I need her tone of voice, her positive warmth at this moment. Let's listen to that phone chat, the one I had with Janet last week, where we talk about VUCA and also about Black Swan events in this context of the COVID-19 outbreak. She gives some great examples, great explanations, as well as coping mechanisms we can all adopt. Now, Janet, how are you coping with this lockdown situation that we find ourselves in? Oh, oh, it's a really good question. Well, look, as, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I am a serial entrepreneur. So I have been working pretty much in a home environment or coffee shop environment now for nearly 30 years. And I'm doing most of my work virtually online. So I'm actually enjoying a bit of breathing space um, from the face-to-face -face world. Yes, that's how we met. We met at a coffee shop and our first few <laughs> meetings were at coffee shops, right? Yep. Yep, there you go. And we, we're not going to repeat the conversation from the podcast. I've already told everybody on this live that I've interviewed you for the podcast But I want you to just briefly, for those who haven't yet had a chance to listen to the podcast, tell us about your expertise and explain to us what VUCA is. Okay. So um, VUCA was a term that originated in the early 80s from the U.S. military. Mm. So, you know, some of you may um, be aware of that or not. And as The, uh, having lived in Israel now for a number of years and being in an environment that was heavily influenced by the military, it came about as a result of the 
war, the Gulf War, in the early 80s, when the whole scenario or way of doing war changed in that there was no longer a formal or a conventional way of strategizing a war because Mm -hmm. there was so much volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity. So volatility just really means that there are a number of surprising, random and unexpected events. You might have heard of the term black swan events. Yeah. So, you know, we we don't know what's coming around the corner next. So, you know, these are random, that's like a tsunami. It's like COVID virus. It, it's created a really volatile environment that's impacting on us at, at every level yes. of our existence. Yes. So... I've, yeah. I've been thinking a lot of uh, about military strategies because... I used to work for an organization called the John Monash Foundation and and John Monash was an excellent strategist and implementer of battles and you know planning really well and being quite innovative in the way that he led during First World War which was very innovative and, and saved a lot of lives. So he he was quite I mean I've I've read a lot of about him. I read a lot of his diaries and his letters and all of that. And I feel like I want to go back into that. But one of the things I was thinking about this VUCA environment that we have, it's that this time it seems like it's all encompassing. Like it's not just in one region. It's not like in just in Europe, just in the Middle East, just in, you know, it's absolutely everywhere, isn't it? Yes. It's, so, a, it's a test to all of us. <laughs> it's, it's a test in one way, but it's also an opportunity from what I've been reading mm. for deep reflection, mm-hmm. you know, for time out of getting out of the petty pace, as someone mm. once called it, and reflecting on what's important for you and also reflecting on what's working from a, a community or a civic perspective and what isn't. Mm-hmm. and to look at opportunities for affecting change. So I was just reading somebody um, posted something by Bill Gates saying, you know, this is a moment in time when we can actually make a global shift. Yes. But just to explain what the other letters mean, we talk about volatility. It, it's the speed of change. So technology, mustn't forget the role of technology in accelerating change you know one day it's this and the next day it's that mm-hmm. the, the U stands for uncertainty and I think that's what COVID-19 has created more than anything is that it was an unpredictable event yes and I'm just working on my strategy for 2020 and whilst um, I'm doing that I can't actually predict or forecast anything and and organizations can't do that either so things like cash flow we can't predict income we certainly can't predict because the whole playing field has shifted yes Yes. so we're we're being constantly surprised Mm. and and it's hard to make sense of a a virus that originated you know in a in a wildlife market Mm -hmm. wild animal market in china Mm. how it come to have such a global impact and how unprepared we were for it yeah so so we've got uncertainty um complexity 
is like the multiplex of forces. You know, we there's all these issues going on. So all the here in Australia, we just had the bushfires, and mm-hmm. you know, so we we still haven't solved that as a as a wicked problem. Oh, um, yes. You know, you've got water scarcity in the Middle East, you've got fracking, you've got, uh, here in Australia, you've got the whole coal issue. So we have a lot of complex, Mm. you know, a lot of complex problems to solve that can't be solved anymore through conventional thinking. And ambiguity is just about what we say is the haziness of reality. So no one really knows. So here in Australia, we've had a lot of, media negative um, press about the lack of clear communication by the government on what we are meant to be doing and what we're not meant to be doing in terms of self-isolation or yes. proximity. Yes. So, so you know, you can misread what's going on uh-huh. and you can have mixed meanings. And the old days, you know, of cause and effect, something would happen and you would have an effect and that's sort of not so clear anymore. So it's really about a lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. So that, again, it's only been used in corporate since the early 2000s. Right. Yeah. And you've been using it for a while, haven't you, Janet? I think you introduced yeah. me to to the definition. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Yes, you have. Yeah. So how have you been able so far to uh, monitor how Australian businesses are reacting to this? And have you been able to find good examples of leadership in this VUCA space at the moment? Or is it too early for you to identify those? Because I have been, and I sent a newsletter today, and I mentioned John Dewar, Vice Chancellor at Latrobe, but just I'm very impressed with his leadership during this time. And I think it's, you know, we can just watch and, and learn and observe how leaders are, are leading and, and providing some respite and some guidance for what for him is about 40,000 people between students and staff, right? So he's doing it so well. I'm very impressed with his leadership style. Have you been able to look into that as well? I haven't heard of any. It's a really good question. I haven't noticed any organization standing out yet. Uh-huh. And and here's the thing. Mm. It's because it a situation that's never happened before yes and even though we've seen a lot of movies about it you know contagion and all these these catastrophic movies i think especially here in australia is that we have been rolling along so nicely we've become quite complacent so we actually don't have the strategic thinking Mm-hmm. the critical thinking and the creative thinking skills or even the mindset, the ability, the elastic sort of mindsets to to approach it differently. Yeah. So, so what you're seeing and from a neurological perspective, what's happened is, is that we, we're conflicted, you know, be, between what we believe is true and what is really going on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we call cognitive dissonance. So I think 
we're still very much globally, mm-hmm. um, most people and organisations are still feeling psychologically uncomfortable, yes. anxious, confused and conflicted. Yes, yes. So overwhelm, I think the anxiety's probably gone through through the roof and this is our normal human behaviour. So if you're feeling like that, it's completely normal. Yes. That's how we're wired. We're neurologically wired. However, I think what we can learn from this is how do we self-regulate? You know, how do we pay attention to our unconscious reactive responses? And then how do we self-regulate them? And, of course, that's always in, in mindset, you know, in doing what we would call emotional agility Mm. and and mindset change work yes who do you think have as groups or people or individuals may have already developed those skills so that they are able to i mean you are a, a coach and a mentor and and somebody who can teach others do that do you see that in others as well do you do you have like a community that can be quickly activated to help others oh yeah that's really important so Mm. what i learned when i relocated to the middle east now it's nearly um gosh 10 years ago yeah was being in a vuca environment the first thing that was really critical to do is to find my tribe Mm. so to find people and I had to do it um, online and LinkedIn was amazing for that yes Um, an incredible resource was to find people who were like-minded and were actually very generous and collaborative as opposed to coming from a scarcity mindset and being competitive uh-huh. So I think finding a tribe is, is the first thing because that means that you're not alone yes. and you're not the only person suffering or thinking differently. Yes. So um, I think that's really important. The second thing is to, I guess it sounds really difficult, but to find out the facts of what's really going on. You know, like everybody's mm. terrified of this virus, but... The percentage, you know, when you read the data, yes, you know, the, the data is is very realistic. Mm-hmm. So what what I've done, pers- uh, oh, and then the third thing is entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are the people that sort of seem to be agile and nimble yes. and kind of flow with with VUCA because yes, when you when you're on an entrepreneurial journey, you know, VUCA becomes very much a way of life because you do go through um, what they call the the peaks of triumphs and the um, valleys of desolation you know when you when you do fail and things don't work yes yes and we will probably all go through that if if not you know if you're not there already i mean many people have lost their income either by losing their jobs or having uh, people like you and I, you know, with clients having jobs that are on hold or postponed um, for the time being. Uh, so coming back to whatever new normal is on the other side of this will be interesting as well, because things may 
if they're melted now, they may crystallize differently in the future? Do you Are you thinking about that as read already? How yeah, will I... society is going to structure itself again? Yes, somebody said to me the other day, there will be no new normal. <laughs> things, will, things will just be different. Yes. So I think what's really important is whatever you're feeling is whatever you're feeling and accept, accept the, the stages or the phases of disappointment, anxiety, whatever, desperation, you know, whatever it is that that's going on for you at an emotional level mm -hmm. just allow it my, my word is just allow it to be yes in in our latest blog on the imagination website we talk about the um, seven states or human reactive responses that people are going through right now mm -hmm. so whatever response it is that you're going through right now uh -huh. you know is is completely normal Yes. And it's a transition. Um, someone else I was talking to is saying, you know, we, we're transitioning from an old world to a new world. So mm. you, it is important to spend some time in the wilderness. Mm. And it's not very comfortable and it's not a happy place. Mm. But if we don't let go of old ways, old ideas and old ways of working and acting then we can't create the space for the new. So I do agree with Renato, you know, we are going to see systemic change at a whole lot of levels yes. that we don't know yet. <laughs> at, at the very micro level, as somebody who understands these things and is preparing so so well, it seems, for this, how... How are you organizing your routine day to day, Janet? And how are you planning for the rest of 2020 if there is any plan at all? Are you just living it day by day, or do you think it's possible for us to develop some sort of, you know, decision making tree? Is that is that something that you would recommend people to do? Good question. So I think the first thing is is to be willing to be adaptive, mm. you know, is you can't resist what's happening because if you resist, mm. you know, more, it, it will feel worse. So yes. how, you know, take some time to retreat and reflect about how might, how might you embrace this change and, and adapt to it a bit a bit like the Borg on Star Trek, you know, mm -hmm. I will, seven of nine, I will adapt. So take a seven of nine um, attitude and look at ways how you can adapt and be resourceful. Uh -huh. I think when I was talking to my husband about this, you know, we, we are both incredibly resourceful. So mm -hmm. really look at what resources you do have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And from every great adversity is the seed of opportunity. Yes. So I, I think, you know, those three points are really important. So what I do, and I'm really, I am so disciplined, and a lot of people think entrepreneurs aren't disciplined, but let me tell you, you successful entrepreneurs are really just self-disciplined. They agree. have really good self-mastery. Yes, I agree so, 100%. So that's, if you're going to work from home, you have to have really good 
disciplines. So, you know, my day starts with actually not so much these days, but it used to start with a cold shower to wake up properly. Okay. These days, these days I'm into a hot one. <laughs> um, and then what I do is I actually meditate for 35 to 40 minutes every okay. morning. And the meditation uh, calms my autonomic nervous system and my neurology. So, and sometimes it's a deep meditation and sometimes it's just my to-do list. So whatever happens is whatever happens. Mm -hmm. And then I go for a dog walk. Yes. For 30 to 40 minutes. And I don't use a headset. I'm usually the only person walking around um, where I live in beautiful Bayside, Melbourne, without a headset. Mm -hmm. And I just use that time to be present to nature to the antics of my two um, really funny small dogs and just just tune in and then I have breakfast and I actually go out every morning not at the moment mm -hmm. for coffee with my husband so that I maintain a personal connection that is away from my work yes yes and in normal times you know I I I go to class two or three mornings a week and I do yoga on Sundays and all of those things. Uh -huh. So I think, you know, by then it's probably 10 o'clock by the time I start work. But what happens is that my work is very productive mm. and I have, you know, how do you stay on track is that I've had a personal mission for many, many years around enabling people to be the best they can be so that they mm. can adapt and grow and innovate through disruption. So I don't do anything anymore that doesn't contribute to the achievement of that personal purpose or personal passionate purpose. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, the whole thing about working from home is to sustain your focus yeah. on what's really important to you, you know, sort of cognitively, emotionally and, and um, also in, intuitively. So, and and then, of course, there's the daily to, it sounds so obvious, that there's the daily to-do list. Uh -huh. And when you get through it is to give yourself some congratulations, uh -huh. you know, some acknowledgement that you got through what it was that you needed to do. And as long as you're pur passionately purposeful, like mm -hmm. I'm finally, it's March and I'm only just doing my strategy now, but I'm only doing it in streams because if you're a startup entrepreneur, what holds you is that passionate purpose. Yeah. And what you're constantly doing is adjusting your strategy to deliver whatever minimal viable product um, you're delivering. So you can't set a strategy or a plan in cement. But if you know your purposeful outcome, yes, then you can sort of adjust and iterate and pivot to get there. So I finished, or tonight I won't finish till 9 o'clock because I've got evening sessions, but I just try to balance it out so yeah. that I don't fall into my workaholism tendencies. Yes. <laughs> Oh, boy. And it's easy to do from home as well, to just keep going. So you have to have that uh, discipline to stop, right? Yes, mm. to start and to stop. And, right. you know, we have a hungry cat that comes in at five o'clock in the afternoons 
uh-huh. for a cuddle and to remind you to give him dinner. So, you know, <laughs> connecting with your pets and with your kids and with your partners also yeah. really important yes. because everybody's everybody's reacting differently. Yes. To yes. what's going on? True, true. And and the routine that you just described is one that can be adapted to people's, you know, rhythms and and preferences and you know if they're working from home or if they're job seekers like many of my audience is in between jobs and you know um, trying to find their next gig there it's the same it's the same kind of concept right it's you just change it to fit your 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 sector your industry or the type of work that you do And also take breaks. I think, you know, Andrea and I are thinking about taking a 10-day break as well. Janet, I don't know about you guys, but yep. we are very keen to unplug completely, go to a friend's, friend's farm and just unplug absolutely for 10 days. We've never done this, but why not now? <laughs> I think that's a really great yes, point yes. Is, is to unplug. So mm. what we did last year, I'm not sure what we're going to do this year, is we unplugged by um, packing our car and our two dogs uh-huh. and we drove from Melbourne along the uh, coast all the way up to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland uh-huh. Lovely. and spent a week a week at a place called Phrygian Beach and that was so great yes. as an opportunity to unplug. Yeah. This year we had planned we had planned a trip to go to do the same kind of road trip but to South Australia. Yeah, we were going to go to WA on a road trip but no more. We might just have to do, you know, just a stay a staycation as they say. <sighs> But I think your point, Renata, on unplugging is really key. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I unplug um, through a few other modalities. One is I like detected novels. Oh, okay. So I'm a real fan of I'm a real fan of Daniel Silver's uh, novels because uh-huh. uh, um, he has he has a famous hero. Uh-huh. I think about 15 books that are really good fun to read. Uh-huh. I unplug on Netflix. I'm a real Poldark fan. I love British British series. Yes. I think they're amazing. Yes. I unplug by going down to the beach with the two dogs yes. and being by the sea. But I think whatever works for you, I think it's really important is to have mm. the unplugging because it does relax your autonomic nervous system and you will be less anxious yes it's good to have that scientific explanation it's not just it's it's not just a good thing to do it's really necessary for your body and your brain to rest isn't it yes absolutely janet i think i think we've gone over time here it's been so wonderful to talk to you are there any last sort of words of wisdom that you would like to say before we finish off this chat today I really think that the only thing I want to say is just really look look for your tribe and look to people you can collaborate with yes. and create create collaborative ventures. Yes. You know, I just think like Renata and I are collaborating now. Yes. You know, do don't you don't have to do this on your own and we are shifting mm-hmm. hopefully into a new era of 
global collaboration. I think the virus is forcing that. So how you can play that out at an individual level is going to really um, help you create the ripple yes. that's needed within your circle of influence, you know, the ripple in the pond that will help contribute to making the world a fairer, more equitable, inclusive place um, through collaboration. And that's it from me. Thank you for joining Janet and I. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and that you have signed up to be a member of my community. There is a link for it on the episode show notes. You can go to my website and find it. You can go to my Facebook page and find it. I'm getting ready for us to do a lot together over the course of the next few months. You will find a link to join everywhere. Be safe and all the best for now. Bye.